today, uh, if you'll open your Bible to Ephesians chapter 4, we'll get there probably at the end of the sermon. Um, but I want to talk, we're in a season, if you missed last week, you need to go back and listen to last week. The Lord gave us a prophetic word on how he's going to teach us new weapons of warfare. He's going to train us how to, to war in battle, and it's going to be through obedience. It's not going to be through tactics we've learned before. And it's not going to be from... Uh, letting the fighting men who have fought before fight the same way. It's going to be a whole new crop of warriors who are moved by obedience to the voice of the Lord. Everyone say the voice of the Lord is life. It's his voice that produces life in us. It's the, the word of God. The voice of God created everything that we see. How many of you have ever been to like a, a national park with mountains and waterfalls and rivers and you were in awe of that? God spoke that into existence. He just said it and it happened. The world. Did anyone see the meteor shower from the last, last weekend or so or saw pictures of it online of hundreds of meteors just flashing? The Lord spoke this whole universe into existence. He did that with his word. That's how powerful his voice is. That's how powerful his word is. And so I felt very strongly that if we're going into a time of conquest and we're going into a new season uh, with new warfare tactics, then we need to go back to the basics. And the most important thing we need to learn how to do is to let the voice of God be the standard that we adjust to. I'm going to say that again. We need the voice of God, the word of God, to be the standard to which we adjust. All right? That's going to hopefully make a whole lot more sense as we go through this. But I've got a few scriptures I'm just going to throw out there. This is Psalm 119, verse 105. You will know this. It's funny. I heard a sermon recently, and, and someone quoted this verse, and they're like, I can't hear this verse without hear, hearing Amy Grant sing the song. So your word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path. See, you hear it, right? Thy word is a lamp. You hear Amy Grant? Come on. Old, old, older people have been around a long time. You know. Yeah, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I love that scripture. And it's a, it's a cool picture. And I, I, I've heard this in Bible school, they taught this and I, I completely believe this. So it's a lamp unto my feet, which is like the next step I need to take. But it's a light unto my path, which is distant. So like the Lord often will show us the distant and be like, hey, you're called to the nations. You're called to be this. You're called to be that. And we see it. We're like, oh, well, that's going to happen immediately. But then we have to remember, okay, but is the word is a lamp to our feet. How do we get there? It's a step right now of obedience toward that thing. I can't just run there. I have to let his light be a lamp to my path, but a light to my path, but a lamp to my feet, which is today. We need the word of the Lord to guide us, to lead us. Isaiah 30 verse 21 says, your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, he'll tell you, I don't know what to do, Lord. You will hear a voice saying, this is the way. Okay, Lord, I take this step. And then you'll hear, well done, you took the right step, keep going. And then he'll give you the next step. It's the voice of the Lord that leads us on the right path. Luke 4.4, 4, remember, Jesus is tempted. And what did he say to Satan? It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Come on. Every word that God says is what helps me to live. 
Hebrews 3, verse 7 through 9 says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as they did in the rebellion. In the day of trial in the wilderness, where your fathers tested me and tried me, even though they saw my works for 40 years. He's like, don't be like that. Listen, don't harden your heart. How do we harden our heart? We don't listen one time. And that's not that big of a deal. But then we don't listen a second time. And it's not as big a deal. But the more we practice not listening and obeying, we are actually practicing hardening our hearts. The more I hear the voice of the Lord give me an instruction and I resist it, I'm practicing hardening my heart. I'm practicing rebellion. Oh, God, heavy, quick. Amen. So Jesus does his sermon in John 6 and offends everyone, even his disciples. They're like, this is a hard teaching who can listen to this? This guy's talking about eating flesh, drinking blood, manna coming down from heaven. He's offended all of our forefathers. Like Jesus just decided, you know what? I'm gonna let them all have it today. And he just let it go. And everyone starts leaving him. They're gone. They're offended. They're leaving. Some of his disciples left him. And he turned to the 12 and he says, are you guys offended? Are you gonna leave too? And then verse 68, Peter says, one of the greatest scriptures in all of the Bible. Lord, where would we go? You have the words of eternal life. Whether it offends me or not, where would I go? Because when I do what you say, I have eternal life. When I do what you say, I have blessing and favor. When I do what you say, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil because you're with me. Your rod, your staff comforts me. Even though I don't understand, you give me peace that passes understanding. It's the word of God. Amen. What does this have to do with where we are as a church? Just personally, I've had to practice this a lot this last week because it's, it's very easy to let things we see or hear adjust our heart. It's very easy to let bad news adjust our heart. I, I didn't sleep hardly last night at all. I had a really good reason. I was worrying. <laughs> I worried. Some of you may not know, some of you may know, but the, the power for this neighborhood went out yesterday at like 2.30 in the afternoon. And they're like, oh, we'll have it fixed by five. Oh, we'll have it fixed by six. Oh, it'll be nine. Oh, it'll be midnight. Oh no, it'll be 5 a.m. So I'm up all night going, are we even gonna get to have church tomorrow? 5 a.m., I wake up, oh, it, we don't even know when it'll be ready. Oh, my goodness, they don't even know. Oh, an hour later, oh, it'll be 2 p.m. in the afternoon. I'm like, that's not good enough. And you can't ever talk to anyone. Because we're not in control, guys, just so you know. If you ever feel in control, try to talk to your bank, try to talk to the power company, the water company. We got no power, guys. We need to wake up a little bit. But anyway, that's a side, side sermon. Like, they could just turn our power off anytime, and what would we do? We'd go get some firewood, and we would live like old times. Anyway, so I'm worrying, and the Lord's like, it'll be okay. I'm like, but Lord, you don't understand. He's like, it'll be all right. I'm like, what does all right mean? Because the Lord's told me a lot of times, hey, it'll be okay. And I'm like, oh, I don't think my definition of okay is the same definition as yours. <laughs> so I was up worrying, and I let Encore steal my rest. 
Oh, but we, that's a funny one. I'll tell that one publicly because that was a funny one. Oh, but someone could say something that hurts our feelings and it can steal our identity. I can't believe they would say that about me. They know me better than that. And then you go into a dark place and, and someone else's words has adjusted your heart. Someone else's thoughts about you, someone else's opinion, someone else's fill in the blank, offense, ugliness, whatever. They may not have been in self-control in the moment. And guess what? I took it and instead of his word have I hidden in my heart, I hid their word in my heart. And guess what it causes? Sin. Because I don't believe and I doubt and I have fear and all the ugly stuff rises up and insecurity. And then all of a sudden, all you want to do is lay on the couch and go to sleep. Because something other than the Lord's word adjusted my heart. And not only did it adjust my heart, it adjusted my behavior, my mood, my attitude. It stole my joy. Am I the only one that's ever been through this? Why do we let the enemy adjust us at all? Why? We know he's a liar. Has the Lord ever failed you? So how is it that a moment of bad news, we think he's going to fail this time? Oh, surely he's, surely he's going to drop a plate at some point and mess up. No, the Lord never fails. And so I'm afraid that we need to, we need to tune up our ability to only be adjusted by the voice of the Lord. Because what the enemy would love to do is to pull us into a fight that God didn't send us into. Man, <laughs> I used this example for me and, and in another example this week of, of just some stuff swirling around, right? How many of you have ever played basketball? I know Rodney and some of you guys, you love basketball. Have you ever posted up somebody? If you play basketball, you know what I'm talking about. Posting up is when like you're trying to get close to the basket and you got your defender and you're bumping against them, trying to just push them back and get position, right? Well, usually like I, I like to play inside even though I'm not 6'8 and I'm always guarding these bigger guys and you learn a trick. They're like, they're pressing against you and they're bigger and stronger than you. And so you press back for a while and then you do what's called you pull the chair out from under them. Like you let them push, push, and then they're getting really hard. And then at the last second you move, you move away and they fall and now you've got the position. That's what the enemy wants to do to us. He wants to get us in a struggle where we're struggling with him and we're pushing him for position and then he's gonna quit struggling with us and we're gonna fall. He does it to us. He tries to trick us and pull us off sides and pull us into arguments and, and uh, offense and fill in the blank. And it's all because we're responding to something and letting our heart be adjusted by something that isn't the word of the Lord. And we know better, but it's so enticing. <sighs> Why? We have to train ourselves to ignore all these other voices, all these other threats. Like the enemy loves to threaten us. How many of you have ever thought about this? Like when we threaten somebody, we're trying to manipulate them. Like, don't you dare do this or I'll do this thing. Well, if I really wanted to do this thing, I'd just do it. But I'm trying to get you to just back off. So I'm going to threaten you. Don't you do it. We do it to our kids. If you, if you take one more step, if you say one more word, like there's a threats, right? And we, like all we're trying to do is to control someone else. So the enemy comes up and he puffs his chest out and he threatens us. 
And he's trying to get us either to engage with him or to believe what he's saying. We rebuke these threats. We rebuke the voices that are not of the Lord. We don't take advice from foolish people. People that aren't being, um, people who aren't getting wisdom from the source of God. We rebuke those. We don't let it find a place in our heart. If someone threw up on you this week, don't let it find a place in your heart. If something horrible happened to you this week, you got bad news and you've been thinking about it, flush it out of your brain, get a new thought. Lord, what do you say about it? That's the place we start. Okay, here's what I'm feeling, God. God's like, I know. I've seen this play before. And then here's what you're gonna do. And here's what you're gonna do. And here's like, can we just skip all that? Can you just ask me what I think about it? Let's just skip all the sleepless nights. I mean, I wish I would have preached this to myself yesterday. Like skip all the sleepless nights and just, okay, Lord, what are you saying about it? I told you 16 times, Jared, it's gonna be okay. Yeah, but what does okay mean? Don't worry about it. I've I've, I've ever failed you? No, you've never failed me. But Lord, you don't understand. When I get to the church, I'm gonna have to do all this stuff and the ACs haven't been on for it. Like, stop it, it's gonna be okay. Anyone sweating in here right now? feels pretty good. Like, I'm like, this is great, right? So what's the point? We cannot let the enemy's tactics move us into any, especially now. We're in new territory. We're taking new ground. We have to learn. Now we're learning from conquest. We're not, we're not gonna learn as much from failure right, in, right now. I don't, I don't know why I feel like I can say that, but I do. I feel like we're gonna learn a lot of lessons from winning right now. You're gonna get a victory and you're like, man, I learned something there. What is the point we're gonna learn? What did the Lord say? I'm just gonna do that. It's gonna simplify everything that we go through. And I'm not saying we're not gonna go through hard times. We will, absolutely. But what did Jesus say? Be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. It's not over. God is not bound by our time. But God, if you don't move by this time, then I'm gonna have to send this and this is gonna happen. No, God's not bound by our time. He's God. He sits in heaven and he does what he wants to do. Are y'all okay? couple of things I want to, I want to cover real quick before we get to Ephesians four. I don't like to talk about the devil. I just don't like, why? What's like, it'd be the greatest thing to do is to just not talk about him. Right. But we do need to be aware of his tactics. Like Paul even said that, Hey guys, I don't want you to be ignorant of the enemy's schemes, his devices, his tactics. Don't be ignorant of it. You need to know. And so I was just like, well, what are some of the things he likes to do? He likes to lie. And then he likes to twist truth that sounds so close to true, but it's not. He likes to accuse, right? He's called the accuser of the brethren. That's one of his favorite things to do. He accuses. He accuses us to ourselves. He accuses other people to us so that we believe lies about people. He's the accuser. He likes to stir up strife. Have you ever thought about strife? How many have ever felt strife before? All right, let me, let's define it. It's a quarrel that can't be stopped once it gets started. Oh, have you ever been in an argument with someone that was strife and it wasn't just an argument? It's like, well, once this started, we both had gloves on. We were going. It was, it was fight. It was fight time. It was bound. That was strife. Couldn't stop it once you started, man. You said that thing. I said that thing. A spark was lit and now we're in a fight that can't be fixed. 
because strife was there. It's a struggle for superiority. It's a struggle for power. The enemy uses that. He uses offense and unforgiveness. Guys, listen, in this season, that might be the most important thing that we deal with in our heart, that we make sure we have no unforgiveness and no offense in our heart. We're probably gonna mention it every single time we gather. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. It's, we're gonna read it here in a minute. Don't let offense be in your heart. If you have a problem with somebody, you need to take it up with the Lord. And if you can't fix it with the Lord, you have till the sun down to take care of it with that other person. Unforgiveness is, is a root of bitterness that will grow and grow. And we said it, we're gonna keep saying it. It does not just affect us, me. If it's me, it doesn't just affect me. It will affect everyone that I have influence with if they let it. Everybody okay? What else does the enemy use? He likes to wear us down. I'm breaking you down. Anyone like Urkel back in the day? <laughs> he wants to wear down the saints. He wants to wear us out. He even says he will try to wear out the, most, the saints of the most high. It feels possible. What else does he do? He tries to hide. He likes to sit on the back row of the church and no one notice. Because when we see him, it's over for him, right? Let's close it out. So all those are some of his tactics, but these, are, these last ones are his best tactic. He tries to keep us from hearing the Lord and he tries to get us to question what we do hear the Lord say. Yeah. All the way back to the beginning. Did God really say? Yeah. Did God really say? What, an, what a horrible question. It's subversive in the way it's framed. Someone who loves you and someone who's on your team would come to you and say, hey, what did God say? Someone who has a, a problem with you or hates you or wants to destroy you will come to you and say, what did, what did God really say? Did he really say that? Are you sure you heard from the Lord? But someone who's on your team would be like, tell me, what did God say? I'll partner with you for that. But the enemy came to them with the subversive question, did God really, really say? And so now, guess what? Just by answering the question, they've already lost. That's what the enemy does. He tricks us into answering his questions. Never answer the enemy's questions. Never. Nunca, nunca, nunca. Never. Never answer the enemy's questions. Why? Because the moment I answer the question, I'm now thinking on the same plane he's thinking. And I have now begun to reason with him. And I have stepped out of the grace of the Lord. The Bible says that Jesus is our advocate. He's our attorney. Have you ever heard the best advice when someone's in, in trouble with the law? Don't speak until your attorney's there. The enemy comes to you and says, did God really say is this really gonna work out? Do you really believe this is gonna happen in your life? Are you really gonna be free? When he does that, don't answer him. Don't speak to him without your attorney. Let the attorney talk to him. Let the blood of Jesus answer him. Don't answer him. Don't say a word to him. Ignore him. And then go to Jesus and tell on him. <laughs> tell on the devil. On. 
Jesus, the devil just did this because what will happen is the in this the Jesus. Oh. The kindness of God will prepare a table for us in the presence of our enemy. If we run and tell what God's going to do is he's going to be, I'm your shepherd. I'm going to prepare a feast for you and he's going to watch you eat this feast. He shouldn't have messed with you. You're my son. That's how I feel. (laughs) Something happened this week to to my son at school and I'm just going to tell it. I don't care. Someone spit in my son's face at school. All the men in the house, like, whoa, 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 whoa. Your, your chest popped out. You didn't even know it. What happened? <laughs> yeah, he spit in my kid's face. And Levi handled it horribly. <laughs> he didn't punch the kid right in the nose. Like, I'm just going to, he did not. That's how he handled it poorly. I'm sorry. <laughs> Any other dad? And like, man, if he did that, I'd be like, all right, kid, I got you. No, he didn't because he didn't want to get in trouble. And so I had to have a talk with Levi. Okay, wait a second. Look, hold on. Who is this kid? Can I, can I need to talk to his parents? Like, do we need to have a talk? Levi, if any kid ever, ever spits in your face again, you punch him right in the nose as hard as you can. Don't be offended with me. I'm a Texan. All right? You, you punch him in, this is, punch him in the nose. He will never spit in your face again. But he's like, but I'll get in trouble. I'm like, that's absolutely right. You're going to get in trouble and you'll, you deserve to be in trouble for hitting a kid in the nose. Absolutely. But it's worth it. <laughs> it's worth it. Because what's going to happen is you're going to punch him in the nose and then the teachers are going to come running to you and be like, no, Levi, don't do that. And they're going to be really mad at you and you don't like that. He's like, no. I was like, guess what? I want you to say, hold on. I want you to put your hand in the air and say, stop. I want to speak to my dad. Give them, tell them, you call my dad and then they will call me and I'll, buddy, I'll handle all of it. You may get in trouble at school. You may have to go to whatever they have for punishment, but I'm okay with that as long as no one spits in your face because you're my kid. No one's going to do that to you. It's a disgraceful thing. I know kids are kids, but this wasn't like a, this was a spit in your face kind of thing because he's my kid. So you know what I want to do? I kind of want to just show up and give gifts to Levi in front of that kid. Yeah, oh, this is, oh, you're the best son ever. I just want to shower him and love on him. Why? So that they can see, no, this is how you treat my son. This is how you treat my son. The Lord's like that. He's like, don't you, don't you bring stuff against, <laughs> don't you bring stuff against my son? I'm going to prepare a feast and you're going to watch him eat it every single time. Ephesians 4, let's, let's get to this and close. If I've offended you, you can talk to me later. I'm probably not going to change my mind about my advice to my son, but I will listen to you and you can give advice whatever you want to your kids. <laughs> I love you very much. I was like, you won't be in trouble with me, son, unless you don't do what I'm about to tell you. Then you're going to be in trouble. <laughs> Ephesians 4. We're going to read 17 through the rest of the chapter. I'm reading from the NIV. And so I tell you this, and I insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. 
They are darkened in their understanding and they are separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. What is he saying? Don't be ignorant like the people that don't follow God. And the only way you can be ignorant is to just not listen to the Lord and not do what he says. But if you will listen to him and do what he says, you will be wise. So don't be like them. They've lost all sensitivity. They've given themselves over to sensuality and they've indulged in every kind of impurity and they're full of greed. Verse 20, that however is not the way of life you learned. When you heard about Christ and were taught in him uh, in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. Verse 22, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self. Everyone say, I'm putting off my old self. Yeah, I'm shaking off my old self right now. It's being corrupted by deceitful desires. But you've been taught to be made new in the attitude of your minds. He gave us the mind of Christ, come on, and to put on the new self. So I'm taking off the old and I'm putting on the new, which is the righteousness of God, right? I'm putting on the robe of the righteousness Jesus earned. And I'm gonna think with the mind of Christ because he did it for me. I'm created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And then he gives us some instructions. He says, therefore, each one of you put off falsehood. Don't lie. Don't tell stories. Speak truthfully to your neighbor. For we are all members of one body. Verse 26, in your anger, do not sin. And do not let the sun go down on your anger. And then verse 27 is the the one I just want to really highlight. And do not give the devil a foothold. Everyone say that with me. Do not give the devil a foothold. How do I give the devil a foothold? I disobey the voice of the Lord. I don't take the wisdom of God and apply it to my life. I don't take off my old self and put on my new self. I think with old thinking instead of the new thinking that Jesus paid for. Everyone, we have the mind of Christ. It is possible for our default setting to be right. It, it sometimes takes me a process to like, oh, okay, I'm finally thinking properly. But the Lord can speed that up to where we are faced with an issue, we're faced with an obstacle, we're faced with a crisis, and our first thought can be, instead of worry, it could be like, the Lord's got this. I'm gonna bring this to you, Lord. I trust you with this. I know it's gonna be okay. I don't know what okay means, but it's gonna be okay. And I trust you with okay. If you think it's okay for me, I'm cool with it. I don't care if it's still painful in some areas. If you say it's good and okay, I want it. It doesn't have to be my way. And the Lord's saying, don't give the devil a foothold. Because see, here's what happens. Man. Offense comes, right? Issues happen. And if we don't deal with them well, they'll, they'll keep coming back. Similar things. Lord willing, next week I'm gonna get more into some of that. The enemy knows that God has a purpose for you. Like he smells the destiny on you. Look at your neighbor and say, the enemy smells your destiny. He's so jealous of you. You know why the devil hates us so much? He wanted 
to be like God. And so he tried to subvert it through rebellion. And so what God did was he sent his son Jesus to be the perfect sacrifice. And then he made us like God. (sighs) Really made the devil angry. He's like the very thing he wanted, God gave to us. He looks at us and he sees the image of God in our faces. (laughs) And he wants to stop everything God has planned for you. He wants to destroy. He is the destroyer. And so we're not going to give him a foothold. So personally, I'm not going to give him a foothold. We're going to up our game. We're going to be accountable for our thinking. We're going to be accountable to our spouses for our worry. What did the Lord say about it? Not did the Lord really say. What did the Lord say about it? That's what we're on. We're on that side. Amen? Let's not give the devil a foothold. Would you bow your heads and and, and close your eyes and stand with me, though? I want to... The altar is going to be a two-pronged thing, and we have altar workers that will come up here in just a moment. Anyone that's here that you're like, man, I'm, I'm just distant, I'm far from God, you need to come to the front at the end and, and make sure things are right before you leave. If you need healing in your body, we believe Jesus heals. We got a wonderful prophetic word from, from a guest last week that the Lord is going to begin to heal people in this house. There's going to be miracles. There's going to be healings. People are literally going to be healed. We begin to see some of that already, but it's going to be a sovereign move of God's hand. He's going to heal. So we believe in that. Maybe today's the day you get your healing. So we want to pray for you. But I want to, I want to pray first for you. For anyone here that says, you know what? I've been struggling in this. This word was for me today. Would you just raise your hand right where you are? Like this, this is for me. Yep. So what we're going to do is we're going to yield. We're going to submit. The Bible says, submit yourselves therefore to God. James 4, right? Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. But the key to the whole process is the submission thing to God. Jesus be Lord. Jesus, sit on the throne of my heart. I can't tell you how many, that's the thing the Lord deals with me the most right now. He's revealing to me places where he's not fully Lord of my life. I would love, I would say, yeah, Jesus is Lord. I feel like my heart's right. I feel like I would go to heaven, but there are so many little things, right? Little cracks in the wall where the Lord's like, hey, I'm not fully Lord there. Would you like for me to be? And so let's start there, personal. So would you pray if this is for you right where you are, that Jesus would be your Lord, that he would sit on the throne of your heart, that he would cause us to be submissive sons and daughters. Jesus, you have earned this seat. There's no one more worthy than you. Come and take your rightful place. Sit on the throne of my heart. I invite you, Prince of Peace, Yahweh, Alpha, Omega, come sit on the throne of my heart. I submit myself to you. I yield to you. I crucify my flesh. I crucify my flesh. I crucify my flesh. I give up my rights. I give up my right to be offended. I give up my rights to my opinions. God, I ask that you would whittle me down to where all that's left is the submission to you. Purify me, God. 
refiner's fire, come. Burn away all the arrogance and the pride. Burn away all the self-assurance. The self-reliance. Why don't you just tell him, Jesus, I surrender to you. Now listen, in the Old Testament, that right there would have been enough. I surrender to you. All right, I'm good. But in the New Testament, to him who does not do the good he knows to do sins. So whereas submission and surrender looked one way under the old covenant, it looks completely different in the new. In the new covenant, it's not about, okay, I'm done, I surrender, I bow. It's now I will do what you tell me to do. Now it's a, I must do the good I know to do. It's a great starting point to say, I'm emptying myself and I'm bowing and I surrender to you and I'm in a place, a a posture of surrender and submission. But better is now I'm gonna stand up and I'm waiting for you to give me orders. And I wanna pray for that. Father, I ask that you would make us fire life, every person here, every individual, every family, that we would become soldiers waiting for your orders that we only do what we see you do, that we only say what we hear you say, that we only allow our heart to be adjusted by your commands, by your word, by your voice, that we become your sheep who know your voice and will not follow another, who will not give attention to another voice. We are the sheep of your pasture. Come on, tell them I'm one of your sheep, Lord. Good shepherd, I'm one of your sheep. (laughs) So now I want to pray for the house, the church, this community that only exists because we come together. I want to say that. Everyone look at me and listen to me. This church only exists because we agree to meet together. (laughs) Think about that. Our agreement together, together in this house makes this a church. So I want to pray that the will of God would happen here, that the enemy would find no place, that he would have no foothold in this house, that the sneak attacks of the enemy would be stopped. So Father, we just ask you now that you would build up a wall of protection. Hmm. We rebuke the enemy from this house. We rebuke the devourer who comes to steal seed and fruit in this house. I'm gonna get real serious right now and we're gonna pray this together, all right? In Revelation, thanks to the church of Thyatira, he says, Man, I'm so proud of you. I see your works. There's good works. You're doing really good things. And the works that you do for Christ are increasing. Well done. Good job. You're doing awesome. However, 
I see the seed of Jezebel in your house. And you tolerate her. And you're allowing her to call herself a prophetess and teach you to be seductive. Get rid of that woman. That's what he's telling them. You're doing really well in all these areas. Don't give that seat to that woman. Now, the spirit of Jezebel is a manipulative, subversive spirit that always tries to find a place in any place, any church, any family that will open the door. And Jezebel hates authority. And Jezebel hates the prophetic gift. Look at the Bible, the story of Jezebel. She subverted the authority of her husband, the king, to execute her wishes. Breathed out threats against Elijah, the prophet of God, because she hated the word of the Lord. And he's telling this wonderful church, you're doing great, but I see a seat And so I want to pray that if there's any seat of Jezebel. Now listen to me closely. When we talk about the spirit of Jezebel, it will be so easy to think it's a woman. And that's a chauvinistic viewpoint here. It's a spirit. The spirit will operate in anyone that opens a door. And the biggest door that we open is unforgiveness and bitterness. But if we'll make Jesus the Lord, then Jezebel has no place. We've nudged her out. There's no place because the authority has been settled in the house. And so we don't do this often on a Sunday. This would be something we do on a Monday morning prayer session in here or a Wednesday night prayer or private prayer meetings. But I really wanted to pray that here because there have been generational battles the church has fought historical battles. I, I go way back. I, I mean, I go back to what, 1989 or whenever it was when my dad first came here. So like 34 years of my history. I'm like, I'm tired of it. Will you Jezebel proof fire life, God? So father, we come to you. You know, our heart. You, you've won our hearts. If there's any seat of Jezebel or any other evil spirit that tries to come in and cause disunity or strife or rebellion, we ask that you would expose and deal with it. I know what I'm praying, God. I know. Lord, if if it's in me anywhere, if there's a familiarity in me toward it, Reveal it to me. I will fall and I will repent. God, if it's in the house, we will fall on our face and repent. We will not give the devil a foothold. Father, may may there be a pure move of the Spirit in this house. We didn't get another spirit. We got the Holy Spirit. So Father, I ask that you would baptize everyone here in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit, you should seek it. It's a free gift. You should just ask him for it, even right now. Yeah, 
He can be filled right where you are. It is, it is the cure to all of this. Your inheritance comes through the Holy Spirit. So, Father, I ask that we will be baptized in the Holy Spirit, fresh and anew. See, the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is an act of yielding. You know that? It's an act of yielding. I'm giving up to your authority. So we do that now, Lord. We give our authority. We lay it aside. And we ask for your authority to take over us. Holy Spirit, come. We yield our tongue to you. We yield our passions to you. We yield our thoughts to you. Would you pray for your neighbor? Come on, would you just pray, God, baptize them with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Woo. Fresh baptism. Fresh baptism. Come on. Yeah, The gift is for you. It's for your children and your children's children. Come on. Ooh, this is that promised. Fresh fire, fresh fire, fresh fire, fresh fire. Fresh fire, fresh wind. Come on. Spirit of holiness, come and take root in us. Yeah. Ooh. Spirit of holiness, come take root in our hearts. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, we're just going to close it like this. Keep praying for your neighbor if you're praying. If you need prayer, our prayer team is going to meet you here at the front. I just bless you with fresh encounters this week. If you're Again, if you have a prophetic word, if you have a prayer for someone, just keep going there. We're not rushing you out. I just, I don't want to talk from here anymore. I want you to feel free and not distracted from my voice. So we just bless you with the fire of the Holy Spirit.